Michigan State gets it done against Western. Uh, U of M annihilates Colorado State, pulverizes them, takes them off the face of the earth, kills them, murders them, destroys them, probably made a few quit, kids quit, uh, maybe eliminated a portion of that fan base, destroyed them. And the Detroit Lions are taking on the Philadelphia Eagles Sunday. What a time to be alive. Hey, 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 me and you and yours versus me and mine. Hey, not never claimed to be the biggest Drake fan. I like him. Right, he's got some good songs. Nothing was the same. Solid fucking album. Take care. Solid album. Never claimed to be the biggest Drake fan. No, never once have I said that. I will never say that. Um, pretty good song though, right? You and yours versus me and mine. What a time to kick the Philadelphia Eagles aces on Sunday. This is it. This is the best time of the year, dude. If you're a sports fan, this is the best time of the year. And you know why? A lot of people would say, is it the best time of the year? Because summer's ending. That means the cold weather's coming. Don't go all Ned Stark on me. It's the best time of the year because football, like we said, just started. But guess what? Even if you're in a cold weather state, lucky me, I'm in California, which who would have guessed is actually a shit place to be right now. It's been like 95 every day for the last two weeks. I'm getting notifications every day like, don't use power, don't use power. I'm going, what the fuck do you mean don't use power? Everything I use is power. Um, so that's kind of tough. I have friends in LA. God bless them. Pat Green, Eddie Aiza, the Westgate crew. These poor bastards, they go to work every day, right? One of them's in construction. So he's like outside doing shit, enduring the heat. And then he gets to come back to a nice, chilly, 97-degree apartment. Like they just don't have AC. So it's, hey, pal, for the next two weeks, you're going to sit on your couch and sweat. You're going to breathe, sweat. You're going to like wiggle your nose, sweat. You can't even think without sweating. It's a little ridiculous. But a lot of people in the colder states going, Summer's ending. How is it the best time of the year? September and October are why, for me, that's it. September, October are the most money months in at least the state of Michigan. I can't speak for Maine, Massachusetts, the East Coast. Can't really speak for those cold places. Can't really speak for like the Minnesota, North Dakotas of the world. Michigan, September, September pretty much is summer. You want to do the lake stuff. You want to go outside. September's pretty much summer. And then October, you get the fall. October, you get what makes Big Ten football the best. You get what makes Ann Arbor East Lansing so fucking special on a Saturday morning. The leaves change. The air goes from warm, not quite to cool, but more so to a crisp, right? You walk out the front door and you go, and you can just, oh, it's crisp. There's no other way to describe it. It's like 66 degrees, maybe a light breeze by game time. If it's a night game, it's down to 60, right? The sun, the sun sets still nice. There's not many clouds out. It's not quite the rainy season. It's just a little crisp. You're wearing a hoodie, you're wearing sweats, and you are fucking perfect. You don't need gloves. You can wear a hat if you'd like. You don't need one though. Nobody's in the boots just yet. You're in perfect fall Midwest weather. It's Michigan State Rutgers kicking off on October 7th. It's a thing of beauty. It's late enough in the year where you can start to break out the fireball insider. You can break out the captain insider. Hey, and if you don't want to, you still want to go cold beers. It's warm enough that you can keep a cold beer in your hand for four straight hours and not get to the point where you're going, I need gloves or tongs or something to handle this beer. This is the best time of the year. We've gotten week one under our belts college-wise. Like we said, MSU, U of M have gotten there first. And this week, we get to see the Hard Knocks product in real life. We get to see what Dan Campbell and Brad Holmes have actually built. Right, No more of the propaganda on HBO. No more feel-good, pump-up, Dan Campbell saying man a thousand times and then crying. As much as I love it, don't get me wrong, I fucking love it. I could watch a hundred more hours of it. We get to see what actually happened at training camp, what the final result was, what is actually going on in Allen Park. It seems great, doesn't it? It seems jolly good. It seems like this year is going to be different than last year. The shitty thing is, this year has felt different than last year for all 24 years of my life. You know what I'm saying? This year is the year. This year, we'll eight games. This year, we might sneak in every year since I could breathe. Every year since my eyes opened. Every year since I knew what Honolulu Blue or a pigskin was. Every year, that's been the mantra. This year, fucking stupid me. This year, it feels a little different. It does. Dan Campbell, even when he's cutting these guys, they're walking out of the room going, hey, man. Like, it sucks. I wish I could be here, but I really appreciate you guys. I respect the way you guys conduct yourselves and conduct the operation. You're building something winning here. I think it was Jared Davis who played in Detroit before, came back, 
tried out or training camp, whatever you want to call it. And when he's getting cut, he goes, you guys are building something winning here. Like, dude, I, how do I not get fired up about that? We got guys, NFL guys, not that Jared Davis has had the most illustrious winning career, seeing as though he spent most of it in Detroit with the guys that Dan Campbell and Brad Holmes replaced. But, dude, you got NFL vets. Like, he's been around the league. Jared Davis, I'm sure, has met different coaches. I'm sure at this point you kind of know the difference between a winning team and a losing team, a winning culture and a losing culture. And as he's being told, hey, bro, you're not good enough to play for us, he goes, you're building something winning here. You're doing it the right way. Like, the players appreciate that. Easy, the guy who made the practice squad, he walks out, and, you know, he wasn't going to say anything. He was going to say, thanks for the opportunity, guys. I'll see you at practice tomorrow. But, no, no, at the door he stops, and he turns around, and he goes, Listen, I really appreciate you guys. I, I appreciate the way you you conducted, and I appreciate the way you let guys be themselves. It's refreshing. Like we got players saying to these to saying this stuff to our coaches, coming off a guy that's the dead opposite. I know Dan Campbell and Brad Holmes in year one fucking sucked. Second worst team in the league. They won three games. That's not good. That will not do the job. That is unacceptable. That cannot continue by all means. But dude. Coming off a guy in Matt Patricia who seemingly ruled with an iron fist, who was the Adolf Hitler of NFL head coaches. You speak out, you're gone. You have a differing opinion, you're off. You're not playing anymore. And now we got guys telling Dan Campbell and Brad Holmes, I respect what you're doing. And by like most of all, thank you for letting us be us. Thank you for running this thing the way that you do. Like grown ass men who are the what they're saying to our head coach and our GM would insinuate they've been other places and played for other coaches, NFL or not, could be college, could be high school, that haven't necessarily let that fly, haven't necessarily let their players be themselves, haven't necessarily let personalities shine through. It's more so been a everybody fall in line, you wear the same cleats, the same socks, you talk the same, you answer the same, and we're all going to be the same. It seems like we've got guys who have been there, and I've been there. We've all, If you played football at any level, you've had those coaches who are like, shut up, don't say anything, don't talk back, do your job and get back in line. And these guys are thanking and telling how much they respect our, our new regime for just letting them be themselves. Like these are grown ass men who are thanking their coaches, which mind you, these GMs, these coaches are nothing, fucking nothing without the players. They were grown ass men thanking these guys for, thanks for letting me be myself. And I'm supposed to sit here and tell you how it's the Lions and I don't believe in anything. I'm supposed to sit here and tell you how just because Dan Campbell cries and he says man a lot. And yeah, I wouldn't guess Dan Campbell to be the biggest whiz kid in the world. Just because of all that, I'm supposed to sit here and say I don't believe. Just because they haven't won since 1954, I can't believe. Just because Brad Holmes had success with the Rams and in his first season only won three games, I'm supposed to sit here and say I don't believe just because the Eagles are going to be very good this year. No doubt. They're going to be one of the best teams the Lions play all season long. Kind of sucks we got them in week one, but hey, that's the way things go. I'm supposed to sit here and say, we're fucked. Ah, the Eagles are good. We don't have a chance. What the hell is that? It's week one. It's a new season. And you know what the advantage is to having a team like the Birds week one? You look at the schedule. It's the Packers twice, the Bills, and the Birds. Probably the four toughest games on the schedule. You know what the advantage is? Yeah, it'd be nice to play a tune-up. Yeah, it'd be nice to play the Seahawks week one, smash them, and then go into Philly 1-0, feeling pretty good, knowing, hey, we can, you know, we're going to beat some of these teams this year. That'd be nice. But you know why it is good? The silver lining to playing a good fucking team, a team that people are picking to win the NFC, like the Eagles, because we don't have any negativity. We're not coming off a loss. It isn't week three and we're 0-2, right? We haven't seen Philadelphia dominate two weeks in a row. It is a fresh start. I don't give a fuck who's projecting Philadelphia to win what. I don't care who Philly picked up in free agency. I don't care how good Jalen Hurts is supposed to be. I don't care who they have on the defensive line. It does not matter to me one bit. And the best part is it sure as hell doesn't matter to Dan Campbell, to Brad Holmes, to guys like Deuce Staley and the coach. You think Deuce Staley's sitting there like, I don't know how my running backs are going to do this Philadelphia front sevens nasty. You think Deuce Staley gives a fucking shit about what Philadelphia did in the offseason? You think he cares how good their training camp was? You think he pays any attention to what people on ESPN are saying about the Philadelphia Eagles? Dude, it's week one. They're O and L, we're O and L. 
we feel good right now. They just came off a great training camp. They're giving quotes like, hey, man, I don't know how good we'll be this year. I don't know how many games we'll win, but I do know this. We're better than they were than we were last year, and that is what matters. We've added talent. Nobody can deny that. DJ Chark, that'll be a nice addition. Jamison Williams, whenever he comes along, that'll be a nice addition, right? Aiden Hutchinson, you forget about him. Jeff Okuda hopefully is back for majority of a season, hopefully more than a few games. If he is back, we've got Deshaun Elliott now in from Baltimore. Malcolm Rodriguez we picked up in the draft. This guy seems like he's going to be a bit of a difference maker. But I'm supposed to come on here and say, just because yo, we're the Detroit Lions and it's been bad for my entire life and fucking some dude on ESPN who doesn't watch anything, doesn't watch a game of football all year long, just looks at the box score, scrolls Twitter and goes, Philly, I think they might win the NFC. Just because that's all happening, I'm supposed to sit here and go, well, the Lions don't have a chance. Well, we're going to start off 0-1. I refuse to do it. I refuse to do it. There is a positive buzz in the building in Allen Park. If you watched Hard Knocks, if you've been following along, you listen to the pressers and see what everybody's saying. It's not just the propaganda because the front office and the coaching staff, listen, I don't care who your team is. I don't care how good or bad they're going to be. Every front office in the NFL at this point in the season is going, I think we got a good group here. I think we can win some games. I think we've gotten that, like they're doing that classic coach speak, not saying anything. And they're sure as fuck not saying anything negative. You think the Bears front office, Ryan Poles and Eberflus are coming out like, yeah, Chicago, we're probably going to win like three fucking games this year. Like, it's going to be bad. You think that's how they're starting the season off? Chicago knows they're going to be bad. The players know they're going to be bad. The front office knows. The fan base knows. Everybody fucking knows the Bears are going to be bad. But they're not going out there going, hey, Chicago, you know, relax those expectations. It's only a rookie or a sophomore quarterback year two. He's still getting his feet wet. We're still building the line around him, trying to get him more pass catchers. The defense, we had to let Khalil Mack go. Uh, we might only win a couple games this year, Chicago. Bear with us. They're not doing that. They're going, we're better this year. We'll, we'll see what happens. We think we got a good group. Yes, everybody does that. Dan Campbell, Brad Holmes, they're no different. They're fucking those same guys. The head coach, front office, they're not going to come out here and say, Easy now. It's only year two. Tame those expectations. They're not going to say that. The players feel the winning culture. And that's that's what sells me. Because like we just said, the coaches, all these executives are always going to say, oh, it's good. It's good. The players know. Like, you know when you're amongst a group that's different. You know and it doesn't have to be different like this team can win a Super Bowl. This team can win a game or two in the playoffs. Different as in you were the second the worst team in the NFL last year. This year you're going to compete. This year you'll be a middle-of-the-pack squad. That's a difference. If you play on A and then you play on B, you can tell that there's a difference. It's not going from three wins to the Super Bowl, but going from three wins to a team that could win seven, eight, nine, you know that there's a difference there. You know that the talent level has risen. You know the expectation not only from the staff, but from the players has risen. You know these guys. You watched Hard Knocks. You heard Jamal Williams. These guys are talking. They're not saying, let's win more than three games. These guys are like, fuck that. I'm tired of being on the losing side. I don't care if it's 13 times or eight times. I'm tired of being on the losing side. I'm tired of the Detroit Lions and our team, our body of work being a punchline. There's a special feeling right now in Allen Park. A special feeling comparatively to last year. But I think a special feeling that this is going the right direction. And nothing was built overnight. Rome wasn't built in a day. Fucking the most cliche thing in the world. Nothing was built overnight. And they're not going to go from three wins to 10 to 11 to 12 to 14 in a year. That's not going to happen. But they're going in the right direction. It's being built the right way. When they made the cuts on Hard Knocks the other day, they're talking about guys that they do it the right way. He busts his ass every single play. He could get in for one play or he could get in for 10. And every single one of those plays will look the exact fucking same. This guy takes nothing for granted. He does it right every time. He does not get lazy. It is fundamental every single time the ball is snapped. Yeah, he might not be the fastest. Sure, he might not be the strongest. Okay, he might not have the best vision. But guess what? He's pretty good. And he does everything right every single time. He rises when the lights are brightest. 
He takes care of the football. He doesn't do stupid things. He has a cool, calm, collected personality on the field and in the locker room. They are harvesting a team of guys that eventually they will be very talented. They will have the fastest. They will have the strongest. But in year two, after only a second draft class, where they haven't really gone out and spent a ton of money in free agency with this new regime, they're harvesting and building a team full of people who know what it takes to win, who know how how things are properly built. There is no cutting corners. There is no, well, this guy's pretty quick, even though he's kind of a dickhead. You know, he's a little bit faster. So let's bring him in, give him a chance. But he might, you know, fuck some things up in the clubhouse. He might fumble at the end of the game. He might do something stupid, stay in bounds when he needs to get out. They're not doing any of that. They're not taking any chances on some cancerous agents. They're going, this guy can do it. He does it every day in practice, every day in the scrimmages, every day in the preseason games. He does it right every single time. Maybe he's a little bit slower, right? Maybe he's not quite as gifted as athletically, but he has a winner's mindset. And when you get him around the guys that do have the speed, do have the athleticism, and do have that top-end talent, that now you start winning 10, 11, 12 games, these are the guys that rub off on them, right? The next whoever defensive end we get might be the most talented dude in the world. When he starts playing with Aiden Hutchinson and seeing Hutchinson's motor and how there is no play, I don't care if you just sack the quarterback 10 times in a row, that 11th time you better sack his ass again. You get around a guy like that, it's contagious. Energy is contagious. When you're in a team setting like the game of football where you are grinding with these dudes day in, day out, everybody working towards a common goal, everybody keeping everyone else accountable. I can't win games if nobody else does their job. I could be the sickest fucking quarterback on the planet Earth. If the O-line skimps their workouts, half-asses the technique, we're not going to win a fucking thing. I count on you to win. You count on me to win. That's the beauty of football. And that energy, the mindset of doing it right every time, the mindset of never taking a playoff, the mindset of we're building something the right way, we're not cutting corners, that rubs off, that permeates a locker room, that permeates a staff, that permeates a front office, that permeates the dude cold calling people in Bloomfield Hills, asking them to buy season tickets. It permeates everything. And that, that is how you build winning culture. That's how you take a franchise that has been historically garbage, like the Detroit Lions, and you slowly but surely, one day at a time, morph it into something that's okay. Now it'll compete right? It's not going to just get run over. It's not going to win every game, but it certainly won't lose everyone anymore. And it certainly won't lose easily. And then it starts to graduate a little bit further. And now it's, well, okay, we can kind of beat some of these good teams. And then before you know it, it's, we want Green Bay. We're going to beat Green Bay because we want it more. We're built different than Green Bay. We have more of a winner's mentality here in Detroit than they do in Green Bay. That's where this is going. Do I think the Detroit Lions are going to come out this year and win 12 games and win a playoff game. I don't. I don't. I'd be lying if I said I did. And I know I'm a pretty positive guy. I'll go on the TikTok and rip the videos going, the Lions this, Jared Goff's the man. Absolutely. Because guess what? If I went out on TikTok and go, yeah, the Lions will probably go 7-10 and 10 this year and um, should be a good season. Nobody would be here. You wouldn't be listening to this. You wouldn't be watching it, plain and simple. Got to attract a little viewership somehow. I don't think they'll win 12 games and win a playoff game. But you know what I do think? I think the Lions will win seven, eight games. Schedule is very favorable. I think we have upgraded significantly. Yes, there are a few holes that I'd like to fill. I don't know if Jared Goff is necessarily the man. I'm willing to hear him out this year. I'm willing to see if he has a career season, throws for 4,000 yards and 30 touchdowns. I'd be the happiest guy in the world if he did. I really hope he does. Do I believe that he will? No, I don't. But I'm happy to see him out. I'm happy to see what happens. Dan Campbell, Brad Holmes, they seem to like him enough to not feel the urgency to make a move just yet. So you know what? I'll ride with them. Jared Goff heated up towards the end of the year. The last half, he was a little bit better last year. He made some throws. He stood in there. The offense moved the ball and put up some points. So why not? Yeah, would I like an elite quarterback? Would I like Bryce Young in there? Fucking yes. Yes, would I be more excited? Yes, absolutely. But you know what? We don't have Bryce Young, but we've upgraded other places. Wide receivers got better. I expect TJ Hawkinson to get better. 
I expect the offensive line to get better despite Big V being out at least the first four weeks. That fucking sucks. The strength of our team, the offensive line, haven't even played week one in our starting right guard, done for at least four weeks. That fucking sucks. That's some Detroit Lions shit, ain't it? But regardless, we still got Ragnow, who I saw on the injured list today. Fucking not good. Hopefully he's just being very precautionary and fucking yeah, good. Please don't tell me Frank Ragnow and Big V are both sitting out week one when the backbone of this team is going to let is going to be letting our offensive line move people and run the football and then set up the play action pass. Please don't tell me that's the case. I believe in Ragnow. I believe Taylor Decker. I believe Penny Sewell will be significantly better. I believe the offensive line will be better this year. I believe the defensive line will be better this year. Any addition aside, we got Aiden Hutchinson. That reason alone, I believe they'll be better. Like significantly. I think Aiden Hutchinson will change this defense based what I saw based on what I saw in the preseason. Got after the QB a little bit. Week one against the Falcons had a sack. I think another tackle for loss. I believe he will change that defensive line immediately, right? If somebody else can flash, one of the Aquara brothers, maybe Michael Brockers, somebody else can give Aiden Hutchinson a little bit of support so they can't just shift his way every single time. That'd be huge. I think the linebacking core will be better. They were horrible last year, right? Anzalone's back. This Malcolm Rodriguez seems to have a little bit of something, seems to be an upgrade. I mean, it's not hard to upgrade that position group from last year. And I think the secondary will be better. The Sean Elliott and Tracy Walker, I don't mind that safety combination. Okuda's back. Hopefully he starts to figure it out and find his footing. Amani Oruwarie had a good amount of interceptions. Feels like he still gets beat here and there. But you know what? He's fine. He's solid. He's coming back. Iffy Melifon, I can't say his name. Hopefully he brings a little bit of something. Kirby Joseph on the back end. I don't see how you look at the Detroit Lions roster and don't say, Lions fan or otherwise, They've upgraded at every single position group outside of maybe quarterback this year. I expect DeAndre Swift to be better. I expect Jamal Williams to be better. I expect Craig Reynolds to be better. Like every single person that's returning outside of maybe Goff, I expect to be better. Amon Ra, he was great. I expect him to be better. Like all these young guys, you look at the dynamic players we had last year. The dude we were count, the dudes we were counting on to make plays. They're all the youngest dudes on the team. It's DeAndre Swift. It's Amon Ra. It's TJ Hawkinson. Aiden Hutchinson is going to fill that role on the defense. Malcolm Rodriguez fucking might fill that role. Jeff Okuda. Amanu Aruwari is pretty young. Tracy Walker is still pretty young. Every guy that was an impact player that we counted on when we won those games or when we made plays, we counted on those guys. They're all just a little bit older now. A little bit bigger, a little bit faster, a little bit stronger. I think the Lions can beat Philly week one. Would I bet my life savings on it? No. Philly's supposed to be really good. I think Philly will be really good. I think their defense is going to be pretty fucking gross, which I don't love because I still, I don't know, man. I don't, I just don't know about golf. Like my thing is if we're running the ball on schedule, the offensive lines work and Swift is getting four or five, six yards of carry. Yeah, dude, we'll run a play action and he'll hit people over the middle all fucking day. But if we fall down 10 0, it's 17 to seven. It's 21 10 in the fourth quarter. And now it's all right, Jared. They know you're not running the ball. We know we're not running the ball. You better fucking make it happen. That's where I, that's, that's the thing that scares me. And I, I just don't know as much better as I think the offense will be with the addition of Chark, with the offensive line being what it is, as much as I think it will be a pretty good offense. I don't know how frequently we'll be up big in games. I don't know how frequently it'll be 21-10 Lions in the fourth. I don't know how frequently we'll be driving the ship just because Jared Goff still doesn't scream big play to me. Jared Goff still doesn't scream, I'll make something happen to me. Jared Goff still doesn't scream, you need something? I got you, coach. Jared Goff to me screams, all right, it's wide open because of something else, because of the run game. Because Hawkinson's been doing this all day. Because Amon Ra's been doing this all day. So that's wide open. I can make that happen. Yeah, I could do that. He doesn't seem like I'll do something. You guys do something else. And then I'll just, you know, do what I need to do to let you be great. That's what Goff, that's the vibes I get from Goff. I hope I'm wrong. I hope he's back to that Super Bowl form. I hope he lives up to being the former first overall pick. But he's the one guy that makes me hesitant about the offense. I think the defense will be much better, though. I think Aiden Hutchinson's going to be a fucking menace, dude. 
Like, I think Jalen Hurts early Sunday is going to figure out Aiden Hutchinson is a Detroit Lion. I think the linebacking core, I hope Rodriguez is getting some minutes. Hopefully Derek Barnes took another step. I think the linebacking core will be better. I don't think they're going to be great, right? I don't think they're going to be plugging holes left, right, and center, covering tight end, doing this, that. But I think they'll be better. Secondary, same deal. I don't think it's going to be a no-fly zone or anything, but I think it'll be a little better. I have faith in Jeff Okuda at least being somewhat average. I have faith in Owarie holding his own. I have faith in Tracy Walker and Deshaun Elliott holding their own. Do I think it's going to be the Legion of Boom? No. Fucking no, I don't. I think it'll be better. And they were getting better. The last half of the season last year, they were getting better. The defense was starting to figure it out. The offense was starting to figure it out. Jared Goff was starting to figure it out. If you could just pick up there and now you bring in these new additions, I just don't see how this team isn't a fair amount better. And I don't think that means double-digit wins, but I do think it means seven or eight. I do think it means playing Philadelphia in front of a jam-packed Ford Field Sunday, an atmosphere you haven't felt since probably that Monday night Jets game at the start of the Patricia era. I do see Detroit competing in that game. I do see Detroit giving Philadelphia a run for their money. I do see us being in it in the fourth quarter. I do see us having a chance to win the game. I don't know if we'll win the game. I'm sure the Eagles are favored. I'll look up the spread right now. But whatever the case is, I do see the Lions being competitive. Because last year when they played the Eagles, what was it, 44 to 6? That's not competitive. Last year when they played 75, 80% of the games going in, you know it wasn't going to be good. You know it wasn't going to be close. I mean, dude, the Eagles are only favored by three and a half. It is in Detroit. It's already a sellout. It's already standing room only. I think I read the first time since 2015 at Ford Field. The city of Detroit is going to be buzzing. Ford Field is going to be rocking. Dude, that place. Here's the thing about Ford Field. I feel like it's a little bit of an underrated. We talk about Arrowhead and the Superdome in New Orleans. Ford Field, that place in week 12 when the Lions are 1-11, that place gets fucking going. Still. Still. I was at the Ravens game last year. I think we were 0-2 going into that game. It was fucking bumping in there. You don't think week one coming off hard knocks, all of this positivity spreading throughout the media, NFL people, national guys talking about, I don't know, the Lions could be a little interesting. We got the second overall pick, hometown kid. The offensive line supposed to be great. You don't think that place is going to be thumping by kickoff? Philadelphia, Jalen Hurts isn't going to be able to hear himself take a piss. Dude, it's going to be bananas in there. The Lions are going to be feeling good. There will be nobody thinking about last season. Nobody feeling sorry for themselves. Nobody going, well, we've lost the first eight games. Because that's what? This is the first. It's a new chapter. They don't give a fuck about the Philadelphia Eagles or what they're supposed to accomplish. It's going to be a raucous crowd. There's going to be a special energy in Detroit. I'm salty. I can't go. I fucking wish I could. There's going to be a special energy south of eight mile. I think the Lions got a chance. I, I, I really do. I just don't see, and there are pessimists, which I'll never understand. Some of my friends, I'm ashamed to say, there are pessimists going, man, we're going to be dog shit this year. We're going to get worked by the Eagles. I'm sitting there like, dude, I get it. Like this team isn't poised to make a Super Bowl run, but like coming off hard knocks, coming off the culture that seemingly has been built, the way Dan Campbell commands the team in the locker room, the way he acts and he carries himself, like forget the, what everybody else says. The way, like if I was a player, the way he carries himself and runs the show, I'm sitting on my couch like, dude, he'd be fun to fucking play for, bro. And you're going to come in to week one, before week one, going, eh, we're fucked. We don't have a chance. The Eagles are going to be good this year. We don't have a chance. Work with me here, dude. You can't be giving me that energy before they've even played a snap. You can't be doing that. Believe a little bit. Get in on this a little bit. If it's week six and we're one and four, all right, fine. I'll be on here like this fucking blows. It didn't work. Dan Campbell might not be all we cracked him up to be. But right now, before week one, it feels like it's different, man. And I know, I know Lions fans, it's felt different for the last infinity years. But it really does, dude. It really does. I'm a slave to propaganda, I guess. But it really does feel different. 
Dan Campbell feels like he knows what he's doing. Brad Holmes. I think the team's improved. I can't fucking wait. I love the Detroit Lions. I really hope this year is different. Can't wait for Sunday. Okay, MSU cooked Western Light. It was tight. Let's start there. Let's start there. It was tight. That game was tighter than it should have been. Um, in the fourth quarter, one possession game against Western Michigan. I know they play us close. I know Western's one of the better schools in the MAC. I know Western has those years where they blossom up and win 10, 11 games. I know Western's a respectable opponent, no doubt. But one score possession in the fourth. Yeah, we should have been fucking curb stomping them at that point, right? Like we should have ran the ball at will, which we did at some points, didn't at others. Uh, we should have been able to just throw a fade up to Keon Coleman, Jaden Reed, Trey Mosley, a fucking foldable chair at will, which we did, but could have done more. Peyton Thorne's got to be better, dude. Got to be better. The defense shouldn't have been as much bend, don't break. There should have been more like, yeah, you just can't even get a first down on us. Just four and out, or three and out, three and out, three and out, three and out. Yes, yes. You know, they're going to make plays. It's a game of football. They're going to pick up some first downs. They're going to have a couple big runs, a couple big throws. Felt like we should have smashed those guys. And we still ended up beating them by 22. So on paper, yeah, it looks, yeah, you know, we took care of them. Wasn't really a close game. And it did feel like that all said, even though it shouldn't have been close in the fourth, and I'm not exactly thrilled that it was, MSU was in the driver's seat for that game. Like, make no mistake. MSU, it felt like we kind of had it under control the entire way. Peyton Thorne missed a few throws. It felt like you like you just got to make. You can miss them against Western, Peyton. I don't know if you can miss those against Washington, against Wisconsin, against Michigan, against Ohio State. You can miss those throws against Western and this week against Akron. When the big boys come to town, you got to make throws when the receivers are open and you got a clean pocket. He was probably the most disappointing part of the game for me. I love Peyton Thorne. I think he's going to have another great season. I I think he's got a great arm, typically pretty accurate, and he can run. Like, what else do you want? And he's pretty smart. But he did a couple things where it's like, Hey, the missed throws. Guys are just open. There was the one fade. Was it to Trey Mosley? I can't even remember. Jaden Reed, maybe. Some guy, I think it was Jaden Reed, actually. Just had his dude cooked and uh Peyton Thorne overthrew him. And it's like, that's a that's a touchdown, bro. That's a touchdown. Like this is year two for you, Peyton. That's a touchdown to the best receiver on the team, to the guy that you have the connection with. That's make the throw. Like maybe he doesn't score, but like you gotta put it somewhere where he can at least catch it. You know what I'm saying? He made the interception, the throw across his body where it looked like he could have gone around, used the wideout out there as a blocker and picked up 5, 10, 15, who knows how many yards. That was stupid. That was bad. I wish my biggest gripe, I think, with Peyton Thorne is that he doesn't use his legs enough. I don't want him to be RG3 or Lamar Jackson where his whole game is read option and or let's call a fucking Hail Mary and I'm going to tuck it like it's Madden. I don't want that to be his game. I don't think it should be his game. I don't think running is necessarily his absolute strength. But his ability to run is what makes him lethal as a passer. His ability to run makes the offense as a total that much more lethal. Like, yeah, you got to worry about Jalen Berger ripping you apart. You got to worry about Jarek Broussard getting up and into the hole before you can even breathe. Yeah, that's all true. You got to worry about Jaden Reed, Mosley, and Keon Coleman. If you got to worry about Peyton Thorne just tucking it and running for 15 at, at a whim as well, you got to throw that into the fold. That's where it gets fucking tough for a defense. And it's like, we, we know this in the college game. You know this. All the most difficult QBs to play against can run. Every single one. Like, it's funny looking back now. You look at a guy like Andrew Luck, who when he came out, it was like, holy shit, this dude's, this dude's it. This dude's the Messiah. Andrew Luck wasn't tucking and running. That guy was running an I-formation, throw it to the tight end offense. He wasn't running anywhere, and he was the most can't-miss prospect of my lifetime. You get guys in college that can run, they're unstoppable, dude. C.J. Stroud, how do you stop him? Notre Dame did a pretty good job. They still lost. Bryce Young, how do you stop him? Trevor Lawrence, how do you stop him, dude? 
when you have a cannon, you can put the ball wherever you want. You can read a defense. Oh, and by the way, I'm faster than all of your linebackers. I don't know. What do you do? What do you do? And we have a quarterback like that. Like Michigan. Look at the Michigan game. Cade McNamara was not great. J.J. McCarthy comes in, and immediately this dude just starts tucking it. And nobody – like, that's it. He gets around the corner, 10 yards. Gets around the corner, 20 yards. Goes up the middle, 15 yards. Just tucks it. He can make the throws. He's got a cannon. He's got pinpoint accuracy. But you know what? If there's 12 yards of just nobody there and I'm fast as fuck, why would I risk putting the ball in the air where it could get tipped, it could get intercepted, my receiver could drop it, when I can just sprint to that spot faster than anybody else on this field? Why risk it? And I don't want Peyton Thorne every single time it's a pass play and there's a little bit of space to tuck it and run. But that interception where you have a block to the outside and once you get around him, you have the first down and God knows how much more. Like, don't force the throw across your body. Just run it. You're fast, Peyton Thorne. You're athletic, bro. Like, I don't know if he doesn't know. I don't know if Jay Johnson doesn't know. And I don't want him to get hit. I don't want the RG3 thing where we're running read options 20 times a game and he's taking licks. Peyton inevitably took a lick sliding through the flag, thank God. And he was okay, even more, thank God. But, like, you don't need to take hits. Pick up eight yards, slide, you're good. Pick up nine yards, get out of bounds, you're fine, dude. Half the time when these quarterbacks take off, it's because truly nobody's there. That play I'm talking about, the interception, if he takes off and gets around that corner, there's nobody there. And whenever someone gets close, just step out of bounds. It was something with last year that bothered me. It didn't matter as much because our offense was much more like, here you go, Kenneth Walker. And then when that didn't work, okay, Jaden Reed, and we were good. We could coast off that. But it bothered me a little bit last year where you would see flashes. Like when Peyton decided to take off, it was like, oh, shit, dude. Our quarterback is fucking fast. But he just didn't do it much. He did it here and there. And it's like they can't defend it. Like call up a quarterback draw. Everybody clears out. The linebackers drop. There's nobody left. There's nobody left. Peyton Thorne in a run in a sprint off with defensive ends and defensive linemen. I'll take Peyton, dude. He's fast. That was the one thing that bothered me. Peyton wasn't as good as I would have liked him to be. And the defense, a lot of people talking about the defense. First thing, the reason that game was close was not because of the defense. It was because the offense played poorly. Um, 13 points to Western Michigan. I'll live with that. I'll live with that. Absolutely. All day. Yeah. A couple crucial fumbles, but that's defense. That's having a sick defensive end, a nasty pass rush. You know what I'm saying? I saw some comments on one of my videos. People were like, if, if Western didn't fumble it three times or whatever it was, that would have been a lot closer. And I'm like, but they did because Jacoby Winman fucking was in the backfield every play, but they did because Aaron Brule is a menace, but they did because Chris Bogle is a specimen that MSU hasn't had in recent years. What do you mean? Oh, but if they didn't fumble, but they did because we hit their quarterback like 20 times. What do you mean, bro? Like I said, ideally, every single Western Michigan drive would have been a three-out punt. Ideally. Not the case. Is what it is. We force turnovers. Good defenses force turnovers. The best defenses, I would argue, force turnovers. So what are we going to get mad or, or start to complain and hold it against the defense for when we're going to go, oh, they're lucky with the fumbles. Dude, fum- f- more, fucking more fumbles, more fumbles, more interceptions. That's how you win football games. That's how you beat teams, not only that are worse than you or even with you, that's how you beat teams that are better than you. You force turnovers. You create extra possessions. You force them to make mistakes. Jacoby Winman hitting that ghost move, that's not the Western Michigan quarterback miraculously dropping the football on the ground. That's our best pass rusher being elite, toasting your left guard and smacking your quarterback before he has a chance to get rid of it. There's nothing lucky or fortunate about that. The only fortunate thing is Jacoby Winman decided to come to Michigan State and not go anywhere else. That's it. And that was the encouraging thing about the defense. That was the encouraging part of the defense, though. Jacoby Winman's a fucking freak. Jacoby Winman's a savage. We have a grade A, tier one, elite, top tier, prime of the prime, Eisman candidate pass rusher. Four sacks in a game? <laughs> four sacks in a game? I don't care who they were playing. I don't care if it was the Bowling Broncos. Four sacks in a game? 
Aiden Hutchinson didn't do that. What do you have, 13 last year, and he went to New York? This dude just quartered that in a game, bro. In a game. We're playing Akron this week. You think he's not going to have four again? That was the most encouraging sight. Now, Darius Snow, Xavier Henderson going down is the worst. The worst, bro. The worst, the most crucial part of this game was don't lose any key players. And they lost two of them, one of them for the season, the other one on crutches. That sucks, especially Xavier Henderson, who it's like the secondary is already a bit of a question mark and we lose the bona fide leader. That blows. That blows, dude. I would have rather won 35-34 and kept both of those guys. That fucking blows. But at least we have Jacoby Whitman. Chris Bogle had a game. That's the most encouraging part is two things. This linebacking core in general is the real deal, a little freakish. And two, the pass rush is going to be on another level than it was last year. And nothing helps a secondary more than a good pass rush. That's a fact. Jacoby Winman, dude, that guy was an animal. I, that ghost move where he just – and the bend, how low he gets, I don't even know how he does it. And he's moving fast. These left tackles are – Fucking blocking air, dude. They're blocking figments of their imagination. Meanwhile, Jacoby Winman strip sack in their quarterback for the third time. Absolute savage. Having a guy like that, we saw it. We saw it from Michigan against Ohio State last year. Having a guy like Jacoby Winman, that's how you beat the Ohio States of the world. Right there. Having that guy. Having the dude off the edge who can just wreck a game plan for an offense. That's how you do it. I'm not saying just because we have them, we're going to beat Ohio State and win the Natty, but guys like Jacoby winning it. How many times have I said it talking about Hutchinson with the Lions? Having elite pass rushers is the number one way to elevate a defense in the shortest amount of time. And we have one. We have a stud of one in Jacoby Widman. Thank God. Grazie mille. Thank God. Jacoby Winman decided, you know what? East Lansing seems kind of cool. I'm tired of the desert. Let's go somewhere where it snows, and he's wearing the green and white. I think we'll smash Akron. That all said, I think we'll annihilate Akron. I think I'm going to do another episode tomorrow uh, previewing the MSU and the Michigan game. I think we'll annihilate Akron, though. They should. Akron's horrible. Um, so I'm excited. But all in all, bummer that it was closed in the fourth. Should have dominated. Still felt like we kind of controlled it. Need more from Peyton Thorne. The wide receivers are dynamic. I don't know how anybody can cover Keon Coleman one-on-one. -on -one. I legitimately don't. I know we threw up three bombs to him, Reed, and Mosley. More. Jeremy Bernard came onto the scene nicely, took a slant route or curl to the house. More, though. Keon Coleman, like that wasn't the fade route that he caught for six. That wasn't even like a, like a competitive play. It was just, oh, that was it? That it was that he, he just that was it. We just get six points for that. Why don't we do that shit more? I want to see Keon Coleman like for real throw that dude a fade like four times a game. Honest to God, twice a half. It seemed that easy for the guy. They threw the other one up later in the game. It wasn't for a touchdown, but it was on the opposite sideline, and he just mossed the dude defending him. Like did it? The guy defending him looked like he was three feet below Keon, and he just yeah, tuck it thirty yards, no problem. Liked what I saw. Could improve, obviously. It's week one. The offensive line can improve. But I will say I think the O-line's probably the hardest position group to get cohesion at week one, like everybody figuring it out. So I hope to see them improve a bunch against Akron. The backs I thought were good. Transfers, all of them, looked good. The defensive line, the pass rush, way fucking better. Linebackers felt pretty legit. Secondary, still a little, eh, I don't know. Um, and Peyton Thorne, be better. You are better. You're you're one of the best quarterbacks in the conference. Just be yourself next time. You know what I'm saying? Like, I don't know if he was too hyped or what, but be better. Also, shout out Daniel Barker. That catch was sick. All right, Michigan smashes Colorado State. I don't know what there is to say about this one outside of the QB controversy. I mean, Michigan did whatever the fuck they wanted to him. <laughs> like, anything, dude. Anything. Anything. Uh, it was gross. It was gross. They ran the ball. They threw the ball. Um, Junior Colson single-handedly, it felt like, just stuffed Colorado State all day. They defended the ball. I think Colorado, what, they score seven? Um, yeah, Jake Moody's a good kicker. MSU, our kicker isn't it, apparently. Jack Stone, we got to figure that out. Jake Moody, still money Moody. I mean, Michigan smashed them. You can't ask for anything more if you're a Michigan fan. They look dominant. There's no doubt about it. And you know what's fucked up? 
They won that game 51 to 7. That game was dominant. And Cade McNamara was bad. Cade McNamara was bad. Like just missing throws. Missing throw. His whole thing is accuracy. Cade McNamara's claimed the fame last year. Yeah, he's not the most athletic. Doesn't have the biggest arm. When guys are open, he hits them. He doesn't make stupid mistakes. When guys are open, he hits them. He was bad, dude. Like, not good. Peyton Thorne was a little underwhelming. Cade was bad. And then JJ comes in and lights it the fuck up. This kid looked like Mike Vick wearing nine. I mean, it was ridiculous. Every time he tucked it, it was like 20 yards. Every throw he made felt like either a missile or a bomb right on the money. Um, I hate that I'm about to say this. I really hope Cade McNamara somehow wins that job. I really hope Cade McNamara has a way of blackmailing Jim Harbaugh into being the starter because I don't want to play J.J. McCarthy. I don't want to play him. He's a fucking freak. He's fast. He's big. His arm is a rocket. I don't like that. I don't want to play that guy. Give me the conservative dude who sits in the pocket and his claim to fame is making a five-yard out throw. Give me that guy. I want to verse him. It'd be better. And the most ironic part is J.J. is the reason we won the game last year. This dumbass just put the ball on the turf for MSU to scoop up and go down and score with Kenneth Walker for the fifth time. That's five, one, two, three, four, five. Um, yeah, I don't want to play JJ though. I mean, they were like elite looking, the offense at least with JJ. I'm not too the defense was great, like they were suffocating. That defense, it's funny how people are going, Michigan State, a little bend don't break, not super convincing. They gave up 13 points to Western. Michigan gave up seven to Colorado State. Colorado State is so much worse than Western Michigan. I'd like to make that clear. Like, Western would beat those guys easily. We gave up six more points, and everyone, Michigan's defense is fucking lights out again. MSU's, though, I'm sitting there like, we gave up six more points to a better team. What? What are you talking about? (laughs) What do you mean? What do you mean? Michigan's defense was dominant. I love Junior Colson. I want to see them play somebody real. They play Hawaii, so they're going to kill them again. But I want to see them play somebody real. I'd like to see them play us. I'd like to see them play Wisconsin. I'd like to see them play Ohio State. I'd like to see them play anybody that has a chance of winning more than four games this year. And then I'll come around and go, yeah, maybe Michigan's defense really is that elite. I mean, Michigan's defense is going to be good regardless. I'm not sitting here saying they're not going to be good. Michigan's defense will be good. Like They're playing Hawaii and then Connecticut. I'm supposed to sit here and tell you, yeah, dude, they're sick. They shut down Colorado State, and then they shut down Hawaii, and then they shut down UConn. You woke up, you brushed your teeth, and you put your clothes on? Nobody goes on ESPN talking about how great I am every morning, so I can't sit here and go, yeah, this defense scares me. I mean, you stuffed Colorado State. Good job. The offense with J.J. McCarthy, though, not my favorite. Wish that didn't exist. Wish J.J. McCarthy would have decided, you know what, Jim, fuck this, I'm transferring. Wish Jim would have stuck to his guns and been like, Cade, you know what, you're the leader, you're the older guy, you're my man, Cade, you're accurate, five yard out, you're my man, Cade. Wish that was the case. I wish the bionicle 6'4 lightning fast dude with a fucking cannon wasn't vying for the starting job. The only reason, like the only silver lining as a guy who is not a Michigan fan, as a guy who would like to see Michigan fail every single time they do anything. The only saving grace is I feel like JJ has a little bit of that arrogance and cockiness, which is probably good in some regards, like that feeling of I can make anything happen. I can make any play, but I do feel like that same trait is what gets you into a little bit of trouble. Baker Mayfield, Sam Darnold, those type of guys, the opposite of Kate. Kid doesn't turn the ball over because if someone looks like they're 20% covered, he's like, fuck no, I'm not throwing it there. JJ's like, 20%? That means there's a whole 80 for me to jam this thing into. That would be the one thing about JJ that I'm like, all right, he is a freak. He does scare me. He's going to stretch a defense both with his legs and with his arm, but he might do some stupid shit because he thinks he is that good. And he's great, but he's going to do some shit, whether it's against Michigan State or Ohio State or more insignificant teams that it doesn't really matter if he does dumb shit anyway. Along the way, the rest of the 11, J.J. McCarthy, if he starts, is going to do a couple things where it's like, that was fucking stupid, dude. He's going to make some throws where we're like, what the hell are you doing? He's going to fumble it a couple times where it's like, hold on to the ball. He's going to do a few things where you're like, that was dumb, J.J. 
You're not Superman, brother. It's okay. Live to see another down. He'll do a little bit of that. But I'm bummed out that he's going to be the starter. I mean, he's going to be. Unless he's horrible this week against Hawaii. Like, even if he's average against Hawaii, he's going to be the starter. And I don't like it because I think it does elevate Michigan's offense quite a bit. It unlocks those wide receivers that they have. Um, Ronnie Bell, Cornelius Johnson, A.J. Henning. It's going to clear up space for Donovan Edwards and Blake Corum, who are fucking nasty, by the way. Corum's sick. I'm jealous he goes to Michigan. That guy's so nice. All we can hope for now is MSU fans is a rift in the locker room. J.J. Harbaugh, Cade, everybody at, at everyone's throats. Little malcontent, maybe. Oh, a little bit of a cancer thing going on in the locker room. People starting to backstab each other. The thing falls apart in the seams. Michigan goes seven and five. That's all we can hope for. Because if it's based on talent and who the better player is and who gives Michigan the best chance to win, JJ is going to be the quarterback. Their offense is going to be better and they're going to win more games. That's just a fact. That's just a fact. I do as, as entertained as I am by JJ after the game posting Instagram things where it's like, let go of your ego. And Cade McNamara going, I thought I had my best camp, but I guess it's not my call. Like, as much as I love the this league, these two quarterbacks chirping each other to the media, as much as I love that shit, especially happening to Michigan, it's not going to fucking matter when JJ's going for 400 yards and five tutties against UConn in two weeks. You know what I'm saying? It's not going to matter when they're 7-0 and going into the Michigan State game. You know what I mean? It's not going to matter when the big game, the big road game they have at Iowa – they smash him because JJ's just a freak. It's not going to matter who posts what on Instagram at that point. So I am a little nervous. Michigan looked great. I'm still not totally there on like the defense's elite again because you stumped a fucking pumpkin. But the offense with JJ, a little bit scary. They looked very good, though. They looked very good. They're going to be good again. They're going to win nine, ten games at least, I would imagine, again. Probably another season where it's – if you look at Michigan's schedule, which is fucking candy canes, by the way, how do you get eight home games? It's a 12-game season. How do you have eight home games? <laughs> what the fuck? And you're out of conference is Colorado State, Hawaii, and UConn, bro. At least play Hawaii on the road. Make the time change kind of an element. How do you get this schedule? I don't want to complain, but, like, really? The only games that feels like they have a chance of losing at Iowa, Michigan State, Ohio State, maybe Penn State, but that's at the big house, and I don't love Penn State. Especially not with Sean Clifford. Drew Allure, all right, we can talk. Sean Clifford, Penn State, they're getting waxed. So it's going to be another good one for Michigan. All right, that's all I got today, folks. Um, I don't think, I don't know if this is going to go on YouTube. My fucking phone memory is full. So every time I sit down to record, it records for like a half hour and stops. And then I miss like 12 minutes of the show where it just doesn't record. So if I post it on YouTube, it won't make any sense. So I don't know. Anyways, appreciate everybody listening. The Spartan Dogs, by the way, MSU fans, if you're listening, the Spartan Dogs tees and crewnecks are now on sale. TheSecondString.com. It's the only piece of gear you need for tailgate season. It's fire, dude. It's got that 90s, 90s vintage graphic tee style. It's different than anything you'll find anywhere else. I don't care. Nike, Fanatics, that standard shit where it's just the logo and says Michigan State. Forget it. Way more unique than that. Way cooler than that. And you want to talk sauna with the skull and bones for $100 for a t-shirt? Their shit's cool, no doubt. But if you're not if you're not into the whole everything I wear has skeletons on it, it's vintage. It's got artwork, dude. It's nostalgic in a way. It's got cool little MSU details and references. And it's 30 bucks, 35 bucks, something like that. The secondstring.com MSU fans, check it out. Michigan fans, we're going to drop the U of M shirt next week. And then either the week that same weekend or the week after, we'll do the Lions shirt for the year. So everybody keep your eyes peeled. If you're a fan of the shirts, you're a fan of the football, you like sports wear, you like street wear, you don't even care about sports, but you like cool shit, thesecondstring.com. MSU fans, check it out now. All right. Appreciate everybody listening. Appreciate everybody sharing and supporting per usual. That's all I got today. I think I'll be back tomorrow breaking down Akron and Hawaii for U of M and MSU. Um, but if not, I'll catch you next week. Appreciate you guys. 